a gesture of good faith, our government is willing to rescind the legislation. As a gesture of good faith to this announcement, QPOSPCU will be collapsing our protest sites starting tomorrow. A walk back leads to an end of the walkouts as the standoff between the Ford government and its education workers moves to a new phase. Good evening. It's not over, but it's a step. Both sides in the ongoing labor dispute affecting our schools are making concessions. Kids will be back in class, but for how long? With the day's events and what's next, here's Janice Golding with our top story tonight. Michelle, both sides have agreed to the resumption of contract negotiations after some major backpedaling by the Ford government. And what that means is that kids will be back to class, at least for now. We will win! We will win! As angry support workers chanted on the lawn of the legislature, inside words of conciliation from the Premier. I'm willing to put a little water in my wine. I've never been shy to do that. But they need to do the same thing. It's not a one-way street here. Doug Ford extending an olive branch to 55,000 striking education workers on day two of a walkout that shut down GTA schools. As a gesture of good faith, our government is willing to rescind the legislation. We're willing to rescind Section 33, but only if QP agrees to show a similar gesture of good faith by stopping their strike. QP issued a five-day strike notice on October 30th, and on Friday, workers staged mass protests at 127 locations across the province, despite legislation that banned them from doing so, protests that continue today. The Premier says his government did not make this decision lightly, but felt it had no option but to use the notwithstanding clause to keep kids in class. That regressive attack on workers united the labour movement like never before. But the move galvanized union activists who said the province had attacked fundamental rights and freedoms. They took on the Ford government and the government blinked. Hailing Doug Ford's about face in the face of immense labor pressure, a victory. The premier will introduce and support legislation that will repeal Bill 28 in its entirety. And this bill will be repealed in a manner that ensures that the legislation will be deemed that it was never a law in Ontario in the first place. I just want to thank you because it's all about you that this got done. Thank you very much. While labor leaders took a moment to bask in their member's success. It's an amazing show of people when they get organized and stand up for themselves. Some who gathered at Queen's Park today called this just the first of many battles. I'm still on the fence. We haven't gotten a deal yet, so I'll be more excited once we do get that deal. That we, what we deserve. A little bit more positive, but uh, there's a long way to go. I mean, we're still. I mean, we still have to bargain. We still got to reach an agreement. Still, for many, this was a cause for celebration. The protests over, with bargaining and classes to resume. Now, CTV News has checked with all of the public and Catholic school boards around the GTA, and we can confirm that Toronto, York, Durham, and Peel Region will all be resuming in-class learning tomorrow. I'm Janice Golding. Now back to Michelle and Nathan. Thanks, Janice. The walkout lasted just two school days, but families across the GTA are understandably on edge. Many are still anxious following two years of uncertainty because of the pandemic. CTV's Beth McDonnell has been speaking with parents and children today and joins us now. Beth. 
Nathan, the fact that schools like the one I'm at tonight in Brampton will be reopening tomorrow is welcome news to many families. But there's also a sense they're not out of the woods just yet. I finished this both sides. And then we were also supposed to be working on this. 11-year-old Janaya has been doing schoolwork from home. Disappointed she can't be in her classroom. Because my teacher, he said that we weren't going to go to school on Friday. And I actually did want to go to school on Friday. On this second school day at home, along with her four siblings, Janaya says it can be hard to concentrate. Her mother says it's especially challenging for one of Janaya's sisters, who has autism and benefits from being at school. The family was contacted by the school to pick up Chromebooks for online learning, but it hadn't started yet. I actually do hope that they figure everything out so then we can, so they're 100% sure we can go back to school. A few minutes away at the Journey, which serves Brampton families from the Ardglen and Orenda neighborhoods, Takwa Ibrahim is at her co-op. Definitely anxiety-inducing. After so much lost school during the pandemic, the 17-year-old has been worrying about the labor dispute and missing even more in-person lessons. So it's a lot of self-teaching. So, you know, our teacher posts the material online and... You just got to teach it to yourself. So it's a bit frustrating in that because I rely a lot on my teachers to help explain the content. So it's a bit stressful. Parents, too, have been stressed out juggling childcare and work. Their income is going to be affected. Even if it's a day or two, it truly makes a big difference. A lot of families cannot afford to take a day off work. While some parents support education workers fighting for their rights, there is also relief schools are reopening. In the morning, I drive her to somewhere else, somewhere take care for her a little bit, and I have to I have to make sure everything okay before I leave it. So very hard for parents at now. So very happy, no more strife. I'm I'm concerned about the kids not being at school because they've already been off so much, but I understand the reasoning behind it. Many families hope with the strike off the table, there will be stability when it comes to schools staying open and their schedules. Many families hoping this labor dispute doesn't close schools again. Reporting live, I'm Beth McDonnell. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Beth. And the Ford government says legislation to repeal the bill to make the strikes illegal will be tabled next Monday. In the meantime, CTV News Toronto will continue to stay on top of this story for you. Get the latest online at ctvnewstoronto.ca and all the updates on CTV News Toronto at 1130. A lot of traffic at ghost stations across the GTA and for a good part of the day, but not the kind you would normally expect. Buses are parked and hundreds of workers were walking the picket lines after their union failed to strike a deal with Metrolinx. Our Austin Delaney joins us now from Union Station, Austin. Well, Michelle, they bargained all weekend trying to avert a strike, and even though both sides said they're very close, they just weren't close enough. While striking bus operators rallied outside Union Station this morning, commuters were scrambling to find alternative transportation. We were planning to take the bus from Hamilton to Toronto because we came here to Hamilton for the weekend, but we had to take an Uber, it was which was $80. really expensive. Yeah. How much was it? It was like $85, yeah. so it was kind of sucky. Instead of like the $14 bus. I was supposed to come in from Hamilton on the bus to Union, and I couldn't do that today. So what'd you do? 
I took the train instead, but the, the GO station is a lot farther from me than the bus stop walk. was. I had to walk, yeah. The strike involves 2,200 GO bus operators and station attendants, and that means no GO bus service. It's important for the message to customers is to plan ahead to make sure that they know that the GO trains, the Up Express trains are still going. Job security contracting out the major stumbling block. We've seen through attrition that some of the jobs that we do, we did in the past, have been going out to contractors. We're trying to keep them ours. And by midnight, the union walked away from the table, saying a deal was not possible by the strike deadline. I've been saying for weeks that I've never been involved in a collective agreement that was so close yet so far. The amalgamated transit union arguing Metrolinx was not bargaining in good faith. We believe it's we can resolve it. But unfortunately, the union um, decided to walk away from the table. But we welcome them back. We're here, ready to negotiate at any time. This is the first time in GO's history its employees have gone on strike. Uh, the union says as the strike deadline approached, it became apparent they were not going to get a deal, so it walked. No new talks are planned. We're going live. I'm Austin Delaney. Nathan? All right. Thank you, Austin. Police in the U.K. have arrested a Toronto man listed as one of this country's most wanted. Usman Kassim is accused in a 2020 drive-by shooting in North York and for allegedly holding a woman at gunpoint in 2021. Police say Kassim was arrested in early October in Manchester. He remains there in custody. Police are investigating a disturbing case that occurred over the weekend in the city's core. They say someone broke into a home near college in Ossington and sexually assaulted a woman who was sleeping. CTV's John Musselman reports. It happened yesterday around 6 a.m. and police are advising women who live in this neighborhood near College and Ossington to be careful. It is reported that a woman was sleeping in her bed. A man broke into her residence. The man sexually assaulted the woman and then, uh, then fled on foot in an unknown direction. Police are seeking the public's help in identifying the attacker. He's described as white between 5'8 and 5'11 with a slim build. He's in his 30s to early 40s, balding on top with dark brown or black hair on the sides. He also has a beard. He was wearing a hooded sweater. The front of the sweater was black, but it had a colorful design. He was wearing skinny black jeans and white or light-colored shoes. The Toronto Police would like to remind the public to be vigilant and make sure to secure your drawers and windows when you are at home. If you have any information about this case, you're asked to call Toronto Police or Crime Stoppers. John Musselman, CTV News. Still ahead, missing amoxicillin. Concerns over another shortage affecting our pharmacies tonight. And one that parents should be taking note of. We'll show you what's going on in just a few minutes. A man is recovering in hospital tonight following a shooting in Brampton. Police say he was wounded late Sunday near McVean Drive in Moonland Road. Officers do not have a suspect description, but say a group of four to five people drove away from the shooting in a dark SUV. There is Christmas in the air after a wonderful weekend of warm weather and record temperatures. A live look at our city tonight, a bit of a cool down on the way. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. 
Well, Nathan, there is a definite chill in the air, especially compared to the last couple of days. We had record warmth over the weekend. Today, yeah, winds coming out of the west and the northwest will make things feel a little bit cooler. It was much more seasonal day. Let's take a look at where things stand currently. Uh, Temperature-wise, we're doing not too bad. Uh, we are in the single digits in many areas, and as mentioned, it feels a little bit cooler than that. Seven degrees right now at Pearson International under partly cloudy skies. We do have those gusty winds, as mentioned, and here's a look at the satellite and radar. Not much to show you. Partly cloudy skies as we make our way through the evening. We are bringing you the weather live tonight from Unionville. We'll show you what's in store here and have a look at your seven-day forecast. That's all coming up a little later in the show. For now, Nathan and Michelle, back to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. After a weekend of disruptions and discontent, WestJet travelers are facing more turbulence at the hands of the airline tonight. Coming up a little later this hour, we'll check in with passengers at Pearson still trying to make their way home. Premier Doug Ford is defending his plan to tear up part of the green belt to build housing. 60% of those new Canadians, 300,000, are going to show up to Toronto and the GTA in the greater Ontario area. Where are we going to put 300,000 people a year? Almost a million people in three years because of the inaction of previous governments that didn't want to take the bold steps to get housing built. The province had pledged not to build on the protected area, but now it is proposing a plan to remove 7,400 acres from the Greenbelt to add at least 50,000 homes. Consultations on the measure are expected to last 30 days. The temperature is dropping, and while many of us can easily reach for the thermostat, not everyone is so fortunate. Toronto officials say they have a plan to protect the most vulnerable who live on our streets. But some say the city's measures could leave many out in the cold. Our Raheem Ladani is here to explain. Raheem. Well, Michelle and Nathan, to give you a better sense of how widespread the homelessness issue is in the city of Toronto, 1,600 more people are using shelters on a nightly basis right now than at this exact same time last year, and that number is only expected to rise in the coming months. Like, I would say that this is actually John Tory's um, winter plan. He has to put up fences around public parks. With temperatures cooling and the winter months fast approaching, there's a growing concern for the city's homeless population. On average, 170 people are calling for a shelter bed every day and aren't getting one, right? So, so the situation is really dire. The City of Toronto says more than 1,000 spaces will be made available. However, only 230 of those will be in the shelter system this winter. By maintaining the use of our temporary COVID shelter sites, expanding capacity in the base shelter system, and activating warming centers and enhanced street outreach services during periods of extreme cold. More than 8,000 people use Toronto shelters a night, the most in its history. Yet the city is set to close its third temporary shelter site, which opened at the start of the pandemic, getting rid of approximately 250 beds. But the lease is expiring on December the 31st, so we will be moving to close that program as we open alternative space for those folks to move to. This year, many of those spaces will have reduced social distancing between beds, down from six feet of separation to four. The adjustment expected to help add 500 more beds. So people are literally having to make hard choices between, like, basically freezing outside and, um, and then going into shelters where there's outbreaks. Throughout this winter, the city is pledging 400 affordable homes, prioritized for people experiencing homelessness. 
The city is definitely focused on speeding up supply that provides homes for people living outside or living in shelters. The ultimate goal being to get people off the street and out of shelters and into permanent housing. Now, advocates for the homeless community say they're actually going to be rallying here outside City Hall tomorrow morning. They then plan to march to the mayor's office to demand he open more emergency shelter support services. Reporting live, I'm Rahim Ladani. Nathan, I'll send it back to you. All right, thank you, Rahim. Police have arrested a Brampton man for trying to smuggle a lot of cocaine into the country. The Canada Border Services Agency says it found 188 bricks of the drug in a truck during an inspection last month at the Blue Water Bridge in Point Edward. The 68-year-old driver is charged with importing cocaine and possession for the purpose of trafficking. A draft report obtained by CTV News sheds more light on the worker shortage, adding to the chaos in Ontario's health care system. As John Woodward reports, in one GTA hospital network, the vacancy rate outnumbers the nurses. Lake Ridge Health Oshawa's emergency room may be on life support. This is a situation which is deteriorating and it appears at Lake Ridge deteriorating rapidly. A draft report obtained by CTV News says the emergency department is in crisis and struggling with throughput, staffing, low morale, misaligned incentives and EMS offloads. These challenges are interrelated and are compounded and in part caused by the COVID pandemic and the subsequent labour shortages. Shortages so dire, the vacancy rate of nurses is 55%, which means there are more vacancies than there are working nurses. It's extremely troubling that there are, uh, there's a majority of vacancies, uh, there are more vacancies at Lake Ridge for nurses than there are nurses. The report says the hospital's goal of time between arrival and doctor is 30 minutes. They are actually seeing 125 minutes, more than four times as long. That was as of September when the report was written. Today, Oshawa reported a wait time of one hour. The wait times of other hospitals in the Lake Ridge network were much higher. Five hours in Ajax Pickering and Port Perry. Those arrows mean it's increasing. It's a real crisis. The hospital's chief of emergency says they're looking for solutions. You know, realistically, the government's not coming on its stallion to, to fix everything for us. So we have to internally get better at what we do, get more efficient at what we do, so that we can maintain our level of service. Ontario unions have claimed tens of thousands of workers need to be hired to deal with the shortages across the system prompted by the pandemic. Instead, more are leaving or retiring. Some emergency rooms have temporarily closed. So yes, Lake Ridge is bad, really bad. But that is indicative of what's happening in the large hospitals all across Ontario. We have never seen anything like it. Ontario's government has said it plans to hire 6,000 workers, provide incentives to stay, and train internationally qualified nurses. The consultant's report recommends changing some operations and exploring alternatives to nursing staff. And quickly, it says, winter is coming and patient volumes are expected to rise. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story idea for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Healthcare systems across the country are floundering right now, so there's even more at stake during this week's meeting between provincial health ministers and their federal counterpart. Today, Ontario called on the feds to do its part. It's really important for us to be able to individually, and we've already done it, make changes 
that are putting investments into our hospitals, into our primary care, into our colleges and universities. But we also need the federal government to say, we see the commitments you're making, now we want to assist in the ongoing costs. The provinces and territories say health transfers from Ottawa should be increased to 35%, and that level should be maintained. They insist there's particular urgency because of a, an expected spike in respiratory illnesses this winter. The Trudeau government says it's ready to increase health care transfers, but it wants assurances people have access to a family doctor and mental health services. Parents, a key piece of news to be aware of, a common antibiotic is becoming increasingly tough to find, especially in doses for children. The country is facing a shortage of amoxicillin, and as health reporter Pauline Chan explains, supply may be limited until the new year. It was just before Halloween that three-year-old Connor came down with an ear infection and was brought to hospital. But we were fortunate uh, that uh, after assessment and, and prescribing of the amoxicillin, the pharmacy that, that we used had supply on hand. His mom, Jen Belcher of the Ontario Pharmacists Association, sympathizes completely with the many parents who have run into problems getting the pediatric liquid form of amoxicillin, a commonly used antibiotic. But it's not so much a supply chain issue. What's likely driving this is much higher than average demand, which has placed uh, much higher strain on the existing supply. And even though antibiotics are not used for the respiratory viruses that we're seeing more of as winter approaches, they do play a part in kids' illnesses. So after that first virus, what happens is the bacterial infection actually is able to happen more easily. And so you'll see things um, like uh, otitis media or bacterial pneumonia that will happen after something like influenza. If liquid amoxicillin is not available, using pills or capsules may be an alternative. If, even if the child can't swallow the tablet or capsule, sometimes you can crush up a tablet or open a capsule and sprinkle it on a soft food, um, something like pudding, applesauce, for example. Visiting a pharmacy which can compound or create the liquid antibiotic on the spot is another possibility, or another medication may be recommended. Belcher says that there are still small amounts of pediatric amoxicillin available in many pharmacies, but that could change at any time. And if these antibiotic shortages continue to go on, um, definitely some concern in terms of parents being able to get their children treated in a timely and appropriate manner. She says Connor's all better now, but the future is unclear for those antibiotic supplies. Pauline Chan, CTV News. The military is investigating the death of a Canadian soldier on deployment in Iraq. Captain Eric Chung died on Saturday in what the Defense Department describes as non-operational related circumstances. No other details will be provided until the investigation has been completed. The Winnipeg-based soldier was working in Baghdad as part of the U.S.-led coalition against ISIS. Chung had been a member of the Canadian Armed Forces since 2009. The public hearings into the use of the Emergencies Act are expanding this week beyond what happened in the nation's capital. The first witness testified today as Doug Ford and his deputy found out whether they will have to appear at the inquiry. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver reports. Ontario's premier has won his battle. Despite pressure to testify, a federal court ruled today that Doug Ford cannot be compelled to do so. I can tell you one thing. This is a federal inquiry about the federal government using the Federal Emergency Act. It's not the province. This is a police matter.
Ford and former Solicitor General Sylvia Jones fought a summons to appear, citing parliamentary privilege. In his ruling, Justice Simon Fothergill wrote, It appears that both witnesses may have valuable evidence to offer. However, the privilege provides the premier and minister with a lawful excuse not to comply with the summonses. We're not sure why they are fighting so hard in light of the fact that other ministers, other levels of the government have waived that privilege. I think, you know, it would be the respectful thing to do for the, the people of Ottawa to come and to tell that story, whatever that story may be. The story unfolding at the inquiry today, honing in on Windsor and the city's response to the week-long blockade at the Ambassador Bridge. I've lived my whole life in the city of Windsor. It's unlike anything I've ever seen during that time. Uh, and the, the posture and the language was, you know, it was, it was almost as if folks wanted some sort of brawl on the streets. Windsor's mayor Drew Dilkins described the blockade as a national economic emergency with protesters who were aggressive. While the powers under the Emergency Act did not help to end the blockade, Dilkins said he believes it may have helped prevent protesters from returning to the bridge. I think that sent, ought to have sent a signal to a lot of people that this is a serious matter and will not be allowed to happen again. New documents tabled today showed that CSIS, Canada's national spy agency, thought that using the Emergency Act would likely help end the protests, but that invoking the act may radicalize more people and push some towards violence. Annie Bergeron Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. The final push is on tonight for votes that will determine who holds the balance of power in Washington and beyond. Millions of Americans go to the polls tomorrow in the midterm elections. Our democracy is in jeopardy, and I think it's important that we get the right people in uh, so that we can maintain our freedoms uh, that we've uh, worked so hard to get. I think economy is going to weigh more heavily on voters' minds. Crime, economy are, are probably the big two. This is what the Democrats can offer. This is what the Republicans can offer. At this point, both parties aren't even functional. The Democrats are looking to keep control of Congress. 35 out of 100 Senate seats are on the ballot. All 435 seats in the House of Representatives are also up for grabs. Battleground states include Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. 36 states will also elect a governor. Nearly 41 people have already voted in advance of Election Day. It's being called a battle for survival. Delegates from nearly 200 countries kicked off the COP27 UN climate summit in Egypt today. Let's not forget that the war on nature is itself a massive violation of human rights. We need all hands on deck for faster, bolder climate action. A window of opportunity remains open, but only a narrow shaft of light remains. The global climate fight will be won or lost in this crucial decade on our watch. And one thing is certain, those that give up are sure to lose. Leaders struck an urgent tone during the opening of the summit. Two of the biggest topics today were reparations to poorer countries suffering the impacts of climate change and calls to drastically slash greenhouse emissions. The summit runs through November 18th. A cargo capsule is well on its way for a rendezvous with the International Space Station tomorrow. We have lift off. A spacecraft blasted off from Virginia today with more than 8,200 pounds of science equipment and other cargo on board. 
only one of the two solar panels opened successfully. But officials say there's enough power to get to the space station. Astronauts there will use the Canada Darm, Canadarm2 make that, to capture the supply ship. The mission is dubbed the SS Sally Ride, after the late astronaut, physicist and first American woman to fly in space. Coming up, a successful Canadian business leader opens up about his incredible journey, abandoned by his mother as a toddler, rising to the top against all odds. And I'm Pat Florin. Coming up on Consumer Alert, many people will be starting their holiday shopping soon, and you may be doing some of yours online. But if you do, you might want to check return policies carefully. Some stores are starting to make it harder to ship items back. I'll have my report. That's just ahead. Well, it's a lovely night here in Unionville and many other parts of southern Ontario, but we're still talking about the weather over the weekend. Here's a look back at the records broken on Saturday in the city of Toronto, the all-time November record at 25 degrees. It's not going to be that warm going forward, but we do have some warmer-than-normal days in the next seven. We'll talk about it in your forecast and stay with us. We've got another great night of shows for you right here on CTV. During the pandemic, the number of people shopping online more than doubled, and some stores created generous return policies to encourage it. But now, as many as one out of every three items purchased online gets sent back, which has some retailers cracking down on returns. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Nathan and Michelle. Shopping online sure is easy to do, but some retailers feel consumers may be taking advantage of free shipping policies. Some are shortening the time you can take to return items, and others may soon charge fees if you send something back. Shoppers have started going back to the malls, but many people still enjoy doing their buying online from home. Your items are shipped right to your door. Whatever you don't like, you can usually ship back for free, but that could be changing. When you buy things uh, via e-commerce, the return rate is normally three times that of brick and mortar. Analyst Bruce Winder says retailers can't make money when they have to take back one-third of their items. Many goods must be sorted and some can't go back on the shelf. With inflation, gas prices and supply chain issues, some retailers say the current online shopping model is no longer working. Retailers uh, have had enough. And they're starting to get more aggressive in terms of regulating return policies, tightening them up quite a bit. We now have the expectation that we should be able to buy things with ease online and with that easily return things that we don't want. Sylvia Ng is with Return Bear, a company working with retailers to make it easier to return products. Part of the problem is some consumers buy multiple items in different colors and styles. They may buy six shirts with the intention of only keeping one or two. A lot of retailers now are seeing their return rates uh, go up somewhere between 20 percent, sometimes even 30 to 40 percent we're seeing. They are looking at charging consumers to make returns in order to make ends meet. When you're shopping, you should ask, is it full refund, exchange, or store credit? Do you need a receipt, sales tags, and the original packaging? Does a restocking fee apply? Are there shorter return times, and who pays return shipping? Retailers don't want to make policies so strict they will turn off online shoppers, but charging fees for returns could soon be on the way. And H&M is testing a fee for returns in Europe, and some stores have started charging for online return shipments. It's another thing you should check before you buy something in case you do have to send it back. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. 
If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. So it definitely feels noticeably cooler out there, but right. that's because it was incredibly warm over the weekend. And then you've got the fact that it's a lot darker now earlier because we fell back. You adjusted yet? Not really. You can't help but notice how dark it is right now, Lindsay. Oh, that's for sure. No one is adjusted in my household. Of course, I have a one-year-old who doesn't uh, really care when the clocks change. But uh, I will say I knew it was going to be a little bit darker tonight during our 6 o'clock broadcast. But I found some lovely holiday lights here in Unionville. So that's lifting a few spirits. I feel like all I need is a cup of hot cocoa because uh, it's a little bit chillier out here compared to the last couple of days. But this is a little more typical of November. And if you thought the weather over the weekend was just a bit extreme, well, I have good news in store for tomorrow's weather. It's just going to get a little bit milder after that once again. We'll begin by letting you know that weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So let's begin with a look at our current temperatures across the province of Ontario. It is cool, cold, I should say, really, in northern parts of the province. Still hanging on to double digits in places like Windsor and Ottawa. We did manage to make it into the double digits today here in Toronto, into the teens in some parts of the GTA, but no records broken today. The record to beat was 20 degrees set back in the year 1938. Tonight, the lows are going to be a little bit colder than they've been too. Three is what we're forecasting in Toronto. Look at Perry Sound at minus two degrees, minus three in Bancroft and zero in Aurelia. A little bit cooler uh, compared to the last several nights, that's for sure. And then tomorrow, our daytime high, about 10 degrees. So that is seasonal and it's just going to feel noticeably different compared to uh, what we've suddenly become come used to. Not a whole lot of active weather to talk about in our short range forecast. We have high pressure locked in place and that's going to mean several sunny days here in southern Ontario. Let's set the forecast radar in motion just to show you a couple of fair weather clouds move in here and there but tomorrow looks like a beautiful blue sky day. Wednesday a similar situation. You can see some wet weather starting to creep into the northern half of the province. We'll be watching that for a little bit later in the week. We have a tropical storm that we're monitoring. In fact this is subtropical storm Nicole and we're mentioning this because it's going to have impacts on the northern parts of the Bahamas, central eastern Florida and then eventually up the U.S. east coast. It's one that we'll monitor to see if it will end up impacting our forecast here at home. But here in the meantime is a look at your seven-day forecast. Next best chance of some wet weather looks to come on Friday. It's about a 30 percent chance for Remembrance Day but it's also going to be quite mild. Look at that 18 degrees. The weekend is cooler. Saturday brings us some cloud and then Sunday maybe a chance of showers or flurries. I'm not exactly hoping for flurries, but it sure would be nice here right now in Unionville. It would really set the scene, wouldn't it? A beautiful evening. If you're heading on out, just make sure you bundle up. That's your look at the weather here on CTV News. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Also tonight, he was abandoned as a child in a shack on a plantation, yet managed to overcome the impossible and achieve a level of success here in Canada most can only dream of. Entrepreneur Wes Hall tells his story. You may have heard the phrase, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But that can be difficult when you are barefoot. And that's the title of Entrepreneur Wes Hall's new book. CTV's Andrea Case met up with the business mogul and philanthropist as he talks about his new memoir, Andrea. Yes, Michelle and Nathan, good evening. I, it's incredible, this man's story, but he has so much joy. The full title is No Bootstraps When You're Barefoot, My Rise from a Jamaican Plantation Shack to the Boardrooms of Bay Street. Dr. Wes Hall's story is one of inspiration 
an extraordinary rags to riches story. Looking at Dr. Wes Hall today, one of Canada's most successful business leaders, his childhood seemed insurmountable. When he was just 18 months old, he and his baby brother and his four-year-old sister were abandoned by their mother in their one-room shack. His grandmother, pictured here, took them in. She had 10 of us at one point on a plantation worker's salary. Could you imagine that? But she made each of us feel special until the day she died. People Speaking at Metropolitan Toronto University today, he says he thought his future was on a plantation. Life was hard. Eventually, he went back to his physically abusive mother, but she threw him out at age 13. At 16, he emigrated to Canada to live with his father and stepmother. That's when everything changed. I went, came here on Friday. Automatically, I was in high school on Monday. Back in Jamaica, it's almost like you have to win a lottery to get into high school. And here, it was a right that I had. And if I was smart enough, I could get a scholarship to go to university. And so once I realized that, I go, nothing is going to stop me from being successful. From the mailroom at a law firm, Hall Today's resume includes business leader, philanthropist, and a host on TV's Dragon's Den. He says there's a difference between confidence and arrogance, and in spite of all his successes, some people still say he is too ambitious. 3.5% of the, Canadian, the population are black people in this country. Why is it that you can only point on somebody that I've achieved at my level, like one or two in this entire country? And generally ones that you can point to they weren't born in this country. Mm. And so when you can't see something, it's very hard for you to picture yourself being that thing. So he gives back, providing people the chance he didn't have, working just as hard now as he did then. What a cover of the book. Now, Hall was inspired by the George Floyd movement in 2020, starting the Black North Initiative aimed at ending systematic anti-black racism. Now, his book is available where all books are sold. And uh, Nathan, you get to read this next. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. The Oscars are bringing back a familiar face as host. The show's producers say Jimmy Kimmel will emcee the 95th Academy Awards. The late-night talk show host has done it twice before in 2017 and 2018. Kimmel joked that being asked back is either a great honor or a trap. The Oscars will air live Sunday, March 12th on CTV, ctv.ca, and the CTV app. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, WestJet woes. Passengers still trying to get off the ground after a system-wide outage that left thousands stranded. The latest on the situation. We have received and can confirm that the Premier will introduce and support legislation that will repeal Bill 28 in its entirety. Updating our top stories, the union representing 55,000 education workers is ending its strike following the Premier's offer to rescind legislation making the job action illegal. The move means schools can reopen while negotiations for a new contract remain ongoing. Unprecedented demand, upwards of 300% over normal seasonal consumption patterns, has led to what we call demand-driven uh, shortage. 
Pharmacists are adapting their treatment plans for kids due to a Canada-wide shortage of amoxicillin. The drug is considered a go-to for many illnesses in youth. There's a majority of vacancies. Uh, there are more vacancies at Lake Ridge for nurses than there are nurses. Lake Ridge Health Oshawa is reporting a 55% vacancy rate among its emergency room nurses. A draft report obtained by CTV News states the hospital's ER is in crisis as it struggles to deal with challenges created by the pandemic. If there was a word to describe how some WestJet passengers have been feeling over the past 72 hours, Vexed might be a contender. More flights were canceled Monday following a weekend of delays and groundings. Here's our Mike Walker with how some at Pearson are faring today. I'll trust it when I land in Moncton. After spending the weekend stranded in Toronto, Dan Hamill is set to fly to Moncton tonight. But securing that flight wasn't easy. Started the call at 7 o'clock last night, and somebody finally took my call at 5.15 this morning. And then it took them three and a half hours to find us two seats. Hamill, among the thousands of WestJet travelers, stranded after a system-wide outage over the weekend. More than 200 flights were cancelled. He was waiting at the gate when it happened. And there was no communication to us whatsoever. Go find a hotel and uh, we'll send you an email in three hours. We never received an email. The outage caused by a cooling issue in WestJet's primary data centre. The airline says the technology issue is resolved, but it's still having an impact. 31 flights cancelled today, adding to the problem winter weather in Western Canada. In this case, there has been a lack of management oversight in, in really examining what are those components of WestJet airline system that, have, that are most susceptible disruption. Travelers voicing frustration over the lack of communication. They made excuses on and off with regards to why we weren't getting going. They've got to take consideration of their customers. Harvey Littman is now seeking compensation after spending the night in a hotel. University student Marley Coffin is supposed to be back at school today but won't arrive in St. John's until Wednesday. We also don't have a reading week, so I am missing extra classes. And it's been very stressful on that end of things. WestJet says an additional 10 flights were scheduled today. This group traveling with students from Nova Scotia were able to rebook a flight this afternoon. Had to find room for 38 kids, try and find meals for 38 kids at 7, 8 o'clock at night. Not fun. They say WestJet paid for their accommodations. They tried to get us out and... It is what it is. As WestJet continues to rebook flights, the airline is anticipating additional delays and cancellations over the next 24 hours. Mike Walker, CTV News. In business, a major Canadian takeover is getting its day in court. BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen has the details. Rogers' proposed $20 billion takeover went to a hearing at Canada's Competition Tribunal today, more than a year and a half after the deal between the companies was struck. The telecom companies and even the judge tried to avoid this court hearing. Rogers and Shaw tried to appease Canada's Competition Bureau by tweaking the takeover deal and selling off some of Shaw's wireless business, while the judge asked at the 11th hour last week if the companies and the Competition Bureau Bureau could come to a compromise. But no such luck. The Competition Bureau is standing firm on its opposition, arguing the deal would weaken competition for Canadians. Now it's up to the court to decide. Apple says it has temporarily reduced iPhone 14 production because of COVID-19 restrictions in China. 
The iPhone maker's primary iPhone assembly plant, which is operated by Foxconn, is operating at significantly reduced capacity. Apple is warning that it will ship fewer units and customers will experience longer wait times when ordering devices. And Maple Leaf Foods said today that it was experiencing a system outage due to a cybersecurity issue. The company says the outage is creating some operational and service disruptions and that a full resolution will take some time. In a statement to BNN Bloomberg, it said an investigation is ongoing to understand how this happened. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading down just a hair to about 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil is down about 80 cents to roughly $91 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select is down a little less to about $63 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX gained 96 points to 19,545.91. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNN Bloomberg. The Raptors are back in action tonight in the second leg of a home-and-home home with Chicago. With no look, playing keep away for Fred. Oh, oh, yes, Toronto was too much for the Bulls Sunday. The Raps winning 113-104. to The squad was lifted by guard Fred Van Vliet, who returned from injury to score 30 points. Tip-off goes at 7.30 tonight in Chicago. Tonight from Washington, the final push before a pivotal vote. Women's rights and, of course, the economy. The eve of the midterm election in a divided America and the implications for Canada. Later on CTV National News. Early risers in the GTA may be in for a special astronomical treat tomorrow. When you have a total lunar eclipse, it doesn't disappear altogether. It's in shadow, but it's still lit up, and the light that's on it has a reddish hue to it. And that's because the light that goes through the atmosphere of the Earth and kind of bends around the Earth, the red can make that, that turn and get to the moon, but the blue light all gets filtered out. Anyone with a clear view of the western horizon should see the phenomenon between 5 and 7 a.m. It will be the last total lunar eclipse for three years. Uh, to the forecast, Lindsay, temperatures getting back to normal. That's for sure. And you know what? Great news for anyone hoping to check out that lunar eclipse. Uh, skies are looking pretty clear through the night tonight. Here's tonight at a glance in the GTA. Uh, Temperature-wise, we are returning to more back-to-normal temperatures, not just for tonight, uh, but also into the daytime hours tomorrow. Lots of windy weather today, lots of leaves being brought down off trees, so you might want to do a little fall cleanup. It'll be a good day to spend some time outside. And there's one more look at your seven-day forecast. We've had a lovely evening broadcasting here live from Union. For now, Nathan and Michelle, I'll send it back inside to you. Thank you, Lindsay. And be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night.